Thank you for joining XRO, which is India's first AR/VR MR podcast. And today, I'm really delighted to have you, Mr. Hamilton Tamayo. He's an award-winning creative director with 14 plus years of experience creating engaging multi-channel brand experiences. Currently, the creative lead global business marketing at TikTok. Over the years, the entire creative industry has completely changed. You know, it's, the 2D medium has taken over 100 years to evolve. You know, started with the black and white films, you know, then from black and white you went to progress to color, 3D, and then we have IMAX films. And now we're scratching the surface of interactive experiential uh, content. You know, somewhere from my perspective, I see that in another few years, maybe we will be the, the ones who are not. Using this technology would be forced to look at this technology because I guess that always is the the, the course of anything which is new. You know, when cars came in, you know, yeah. obviously it, it kicked off the horse-drawn carriages. You know? and, and yeah, they, they, I, I, I think you bring up a lot of interesting challenges. You're right. I think when it comes to you know looking at just the medium itself and how it's constantly involved, I think for creators, you know, artisans, it's always about having tools. Right, and I think when you look at the evolution of how we're using these tools, I think we're at this really wonderful, amazing, you know, stage, right? Where you know, I, just recently I was talking to a friend about editing, right? So I was at NYU when I edited. I was editing on 16 millimeter film, so I would sit at the flatbed. And I had the film, and I had to cut it. And you look at you know a Robert Rodriguez type when he was coming up, and obviously we're very much at the same age. He decided to use VHS tapes, and he was cutting his first movies using VHS, right? Something that you know an earlier generation just did not even have. And you look at this generation, and this generation has like supercomputers <laughs> practically in their pockets, and they have these editing tools to create these amazing things. So their level of creativity is got a huge jump start on the other people that came before. So that's a wonderful thing. So I think when it comes to you know VR and AR, I think it's another wonderful tool, but a lot of people don't have access to it, and I do think there's a reason for it. Right? If you look at the early days of VR, right, it had like a start and stop, and I think when you look at the start and stop. One of the main hurdles has always been access, right? Accessibility is always the killer of technology, right? How many people can get their hands on it? And so, when you look at VR, I, I you know, I, in my mind, I think of the first Oculus, you know, cost about a thousand dollars to get your hands on, but you also needed a two thousand dollar PC. So it's right. very expensive, you know, initial price to even just to experience it. That's not even talking about creation. And so I look at like the Oculus Quest 2, which is a wonderful device. I just picked one up this holiday season, and what I love about it is that it democratizes the experience of actually doing it. And, and by that I mean, when you see your grandmother or your mother or your wife or your spouse, you know, using VR in your living room, you start to realize, oh my God, give this a couple more years, and this is going to be something that people think about. As casually as we think about watching an IMAX movie or watching a streaming, you know, when streaming first came out, the idea of streaming was like, "What? You're telling me I'm going to stream anything I want? You know, musically? No, I can stream movies. Like it was just impossible." So I think right now, a lot of people think about VR the same way. Like, oh, that's that's just like sci-fi jets and stuff. And it's like, no, it's in your living room. It's happening. And I do think that Facebook should take a lot of credit for it for taking a page. And this is my own nerdy part. They took a page out of Nintendo's playbook. They looked at how can we get more people to actually experience it. We have to think about cost. Cost is a huge part that most people don't think about. They were just like, why don't we just use, you know, 
mobile tech and literally have people use it. I think that's a really brilliant way to get more people to experience it and adopt it. And then I think creators start to see that there's a larger audience and the larger audience now pushes, you know, advertisers, marketers, you know, obviously filmmakers, creatives, artists to actually start to play with the technology. You, you brought up some interesting point that, you know, I mean, unless until we solve, don't solve the accessibility problem of this tech, uh, adoption is not going to fall through. And, and yes, uh, I think Facebook is playing a huge role in, in democratizing this technology. And so is an Indian company called Geo. Geo is one of the largest telecom here in India, and they're going to be launching their own mixed reality headset. And they believe that AR, VR, MR, it is a device for the entire family. Unlike maybe like the Western counterpart who when they're building an HMP, they, they, they have like a certain market market they're targeting for. It's either enterprise or the gamers, but for Geo is very sure on their marketing strategy. And they're saying that, you know, when, when the, uh, the product comes out to the market, A, it, it's going to be consumer ready. The price points are going to be consumer ready. And it's a product which is meant for the entire family. So what that does is that that, actually makes the conversation more appealing to a larger audience of people. You know, otherwise, I mean, when you say like a Magic Leap or an STC or, or a Wario or the, these like really high-powered uh, uh, HMDs, they, they are at this point in time currently focusing only on enterprise. But, you know, there is like a cash 22 situation. You know, they they also cannot bring the price down of the HMDs like a Facebook or a Google can do because they have the capital in their hands. So they can actually pull the price point, you know, down and suffer, uh, uh, you know, some kind of loss to kind of drive the, the, the future of this. And that's what I think Facebook is doing. So, so like, I mean, more power to them. And I, we need more players like maybe Facebook and Geo who can, who believe it, that what this can do and believe that this is the device which in another few years will be converging or or laptops or and or phones so so far we've been carrying devices you know whether mm -hmm. it, it's your laptop or, or your phones the future we're going to be wearing devices you know we'll be wearing right. it yeah. so 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 that that is what exciting so because of the pandemic now obviously there is this huge transition or shift which is happening in the creative business and somehow I, I, there there are these traditionalists or the purists who are hanging out the stuff like i i thought uh, tenet was one of the finest film that I've seen in my entire life. Christopher Nolan chose to release it only on theater. When the world is seeing the the the, the shift, which which is already being seen, you know, where uh, people are moving onto the digital, the OTT platforms. Mm -hmm. Do you think the traditional creative content creators who who rely on theaters will be impacted going forward from here post pandemic and what are the implications you see for the creative industry in a post pandemic world yeah i said it's a very interesting question actually and again you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say i'm a filmmaker in that regard i was he's like top you know uh filmmaker but i do think there's a lot of interesting questions that are going to have to be answered, right? Because again, at the end of the day, filmmaking, as much of an art as it is, it is also a business. And I do think, you know, I'm not going to speak exactly to what he's doing, but I do think because of, you know, the pandemic, 
distribution models have had to change, right? Obviously, we can go to the movie theaters, so we start going to streaming, and it's going to launch at the same time in the U.S. where it's like, it launches in the theaters, well, most theaters are closed, but it also launches on like HBO Max or it launches on Disney Plus, right? And you might have to pay a little bit more on top of your subscription model. So I do think on that level, when it comes to, you know, distribution, I think now that we're, you know, hopefully we're going to go back to normal, I do think that that, that, that Pandora's box is open directly. That's it. I do think that there are going to be people that are still going to love the movie going experience. I am one of them. I love going to the movies. I love buying popcorn. I love drinking a, you know, a drink, uh, you know, Coca-Cola, whatever, or eating a hot dog while I'm watching a movie. I love it. Um, that big screen experience is, you know, it's unmatched. You can't do it at home. Um, but at the same time, I will say that the pandemic has showed us all that there are alternatives. If you have a really nice TV, if you have a nice sound system, which a lot of people do, I mean, you start to create this environment where it's like, well, I don't, it's not going to be exactly like a movie theater, but it's a lot more comfortable than the movie theater because I don't have to deal with the audience. So I do think filmmakers are going to have to pick and choose where they want to distribute. I think the other part to that though is the bigger, the bigger conversation is I think the way we look at creativity and um, fidelity is going to change, right? When we think about big production movies like Tenet, yes, those are huge. But when you look at how people are consuming their, their, their digital you know, entertainment, they're not going to the movies as much anymore, right? They love movies, it's still high, but they are going to the YouTubes and the social platforms of the world. And there, the fidelity is not the same. Yes, the way we look at fidelity, the way we consume stuff is changing and the appetites of audiences is changing as well. And I think we have to be mindful of that and realize that. So, you know, again, when it goes back to advertising, the budgets you're spending are different. You shouldn't look at it as, you know, these million dollar budgets to shoot these really expensive commercials. You should be looking at social platforms. You know, you should be looking at, you know, VR maybe as a possible way of doing it, you know, different, different channels. There's just different tools to, to tell your story better. And people, I think it's proved out that audiences are willing to meet you on those platforms if the content is compelling. And that's why I think VR is so great because that is super compelling. Like, it's unlike any other medium. Right. Yeah. So, so you mentioned about, you know, people are obviously not going to theaters at this point in time for the, the social distancing, but people choose to go for movies and theaters because yes, it's a social experience. You get to go have popcorn, you can go with your girlfriend and friends and, and enjoy those really big budget movies, nobody is going for the small budget movies. And then what's happening is that, you know, at least in theaters around here in India, these multiplexes, they, they've jacked up the ticket prices, the eatables are expensive. So that again is kind of pushing people away and, uh, you know, pushing them more to take, take uh, you know, go to like a digital platform. So somehow, from my perspective, I see that there is a... Uh, a slow uh, and gradual move which has been happening and maybe like you know when we have a virtual reality augmented reality mixed reality headset which is the form factor as good as this the entire world could be a screen and yeah. uh, and, and in that world i think the traditional content creators need to be prepared for that because the problem with the world is that if you see the entire world was caught off guard uh, nations and companies we were completely 
caught off guard point being is that there is this trajectory which is happening where from the theater the entire content is moving to like a digital and and, and social and then maybe it could go on to you know ar vr mr and for it, as a content creator i feel that we should be prepared to you know for that kind of a future now again before i get to have you yeah no, no I, 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 I would actually if i can actually build on that really quickly you're right like right? so again when you look at the early and i can only speak to the us market I, i don't really know about other markets but i can say with a pretty much some confidence in when you look at the the platforms that have grown the most right social platforms exploded twitch exploded VR because of this headset becoming cheaper is doing much better. So audiences are way more willing to meet you on a new platform, right? Because that was the big fear. Everyone was very afraid, like, oh my god, what's going to happen, right? Like, you know, movies are going to die, and it's like, no, people still want to see movies. They're just going to have to watch it on different screens, right? People still want to have really engaging experiences, right? They want to interact and have that social experience. Well, they went on Twitch where they can interact with a creator, right? Uh, they want to have more happy content, so they go to social where you know there is happy content there, right? And I think with VR, you see people that are wanting to escape. right and so they obviously bought headsets right those numbers started to go up and there's a reason for it i think i think the big part is that you know the marketers of the world the producers of the world the people that are thinking about where they're creating their content or where they should distribute it need to realize that audiences are willing to adapt if the content is good and that's all that matters right right it, that's it, it, it's such a simple line but it's so profound if you like kind of like look at it you know that yeah the audience will go anywhere if the content is compelling enough you know so yes my question which i wanted to ask was you know there's this you know we've come to a world where our attention span is completely gone down you know now there is this huge debate i mean it's it's not a huge debate but then people talk about content what works best whether it's the long format or whether it's the short format you know i see that there is suddenly there's this huge change and shift which is happening on short format because yes the attention span has gone down and and the short, short content it becomes more engaging you know in a world which is overloaded with content so what are your views on that yeah so i i think it's a really interesting another another great question because again i i think in a weird way we we live in a in a, a hyperbolic media world right where it's either one or the other like oh my god you know a social taking over media you know you know movies are dead or this is dead and it's like i don't i don't think it is that black and white i think it is about understanding the experiences people want to have right there are certain people that want to read a book right they want that experience right there's certain people that want to go to a movie theater and see a blockbuster something they cannot see on a small screen like you know if they're on social right like the fact that avengers made as much money as it did the fact that avatar makes as much money as it did and again uses you know 3d projection right that's the reason it made money the fact that people are going crazy about you know the justice league cut from zack snyder which is now 4 hours long right obviously he divided it by chapters i think that's kind of the middle ground right because again episodic tv content is so popular right but i don't think it's because attention spans are dwindling i think it's because they're providing different experiences right if i'm locked at home and i want to binge a tv show well guess what i have the time right do i want to you know go see a movie that's going to be 3 hours of pure eye candy and blow my socks off yeah i want to do that 
or if I'm just laying in bed and I just want to laugh really quickly and just spend some, you know, frivolous time, if you will, or just, just, it's just to keep my mind busy, I can do that. I think it's an ecosystem where every place plays a role. I don't think it's one is dead, one is over, you know, this one's the new thing and it's going to be there forever. I do think that there's new emerging platforms that are interesting, but they will all coexist. And I think that that's the way we have to look at it. And I think when you look at movies, right, you bring up a good point about the indie movies, right? Indie movies, uh, it's hard, but it's always been hard for an indie movie to do well. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not news to me. Is it harder now? Absolutely, right? Because again, there are certain things about distribution, right? But again, you look at like the, at least in the States, Criterion has a streaming service, right? Uh, I think IFC has a streaming service. If you're that audience, you're going to find it. Like, I love indie movies. I'm going to find it. You look at the Oscars, right? Right, like The people that are you know, up for awards right now, it's like, what, Minari, The Sound of Metal. Those are all indie movies. And people are, guess what? Watching them on Hulu, watching them on Amazon. So again, they're watching them on Netflix. Like, what is it, Mank? Mank is on Netflix. So again, they're not going to the movie theater, but they still crave two-hour experiences. I wonder why. It's because people like what they like. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah, right. I mean, there is nothing which is black and white. I think there is, you know, everything can coexist exist because I guess there will always be an audience which will want to see those black and white movies, you know, whether it's, and it's, it could come as a surprise to you. You know, my wife, in fact, likes those really old classic films, you know, I mean, and, and she, she's a young, I mean, I'm, I'm much older than her, but she, she loves those old classic films. So I, I guess everything can coexist, but only if we create that narrative and maybe not have uh, People like me talk about <laughs> the theaters someday. Go redundant. No, but but yes, I I, I think you 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 bring bring up a very interesting point that I think coexisting, I, I think yeah. is is and it should be the uh, the the best way 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 ahead. Now, yeah, AR, I mean, I, I think the other thing that's interesting, and I'll just this is a really random, a very quick aside uh, for two points. So. During the, the, the pandemic, I, again, I'm a huge movie buff. Like, I'll admit it. And I might be edge case in this example, but I don't think I'm that edge case because I do think that the more and more people experience it, the more and more they will realize they have outlets. So we were talking about people having great TVs and great sound bars. So I was really missing, like dramatically missing the movie going experience. And so I have the Oculus Quest 2 and I wanted to watch um, the train, train to Busan. I wanted to watch a zombie movie a horror movie and I wanted to have that movie going experience because I think that's kind of one of the best ways to experience a horror movie. And I was like, oh, well, you know, my screen's there. You know, my girlfriend is watching, you know, some episodic thing. I think she was watching Bridgerton or something. And I was like, why don't I just put on my VR headset? I put it on, I load up Amazon on it. And it was like, and no lie, it was like being in the movies. You have this massive screen. And I was like, whoa. People aren't talking about this. I'm a VR person and I didn't realize how amazing this experience is. And it became incredible, right? So that's again, learning what the, the, the actual medium can do. VR changes that. And that leads to my second point, which is again, uh, for me, when we think about going back to indie movies, right? And it's like, oh, well, indie movies need movie theaters to live. One of my favorite indie movies that I've seen was Lunchbox, which is an Indian movie. Right. I don't know. You, yeah, right. right. So I would have killed to see that in the movie theater. Well, guess what? I didn't see it in the movie theater because I didn't even know about it. You know where I saw it? I saw it on iTunes and I actually paid to rent it on a digital distribution channel. So again, 
I ferreted, I looked for this content because I really wanted to see this content. And that's, I think, how people are. They want something, they'll go find it. Is it hard to find things? Yes and no. And I think maybe that's something that needs to be discussed, you know, how to make it easier to discover content. I think right. that's a problem. Right. Yeah. So, so you, 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 you said you paid to watch uh, the movie Lunchbox, you know, right now we've got into a world where the world largely believes where, where you could download music, movies and whatever you want free, free of course, you know, what are your views on something like that? You know, because you know, if you have like a normal career, you know, whether you're a banker or you're a doctor, or you, you know, that at the end of the month, you have like a certain kind of salary paycheck, which comes into your account and you're very cool. But when you're an artist, whether you're a musician, you're a poet, you're a creative uh, a content creator let me first tell you that you know i really respect content creators because i i i i myself have been a content creator so i've i've played for we're creating band. content right now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so 15 years i used to play for a rock band i've composed for a couple of bollywood feature films and and, and i've i've seen the grind and the hard work, you know, what that goes into it. And and, and then sometimes you, you, I, I think the reason I'm, I'm talking about me being a content creator, because it, it's, I think that's the only thing that puts a smile on a person's face. You know, you know, our, our world can really pull uh, you down, you know, and a nice song, a nice piece of content can, you know, charge you up inspire you and put you back on track on life you know but yeah no. but but like i said there is you know whatever career you choose whether you're a doctor engineer or you know there is a certain kind of paycheck you get but for music composers content creators that's not the scene uh, i have my it, it's again a, a as an assumption, uh, it's a speculation, but I feel that this is going to change with uh, uh, artificial intelligence growing because today, most of the jobs can be automated. Most of the desk jobs can be automated, but the creative jobs are not going to be automated in the, in the, in the new future, you know, till the time, you know, machines get intelligent. So <laughs> I feel that there's going to be a flip where content creators and creative creatives are going to be more respected. So what are your thoughts on that, on my speculation? Yeah. And, and what, why do we have, why do we have started believing that, oh, we can download the music and we, we, we should, and we, we don't have to pay for it. Why, why, why that? Yeah. So, so, so very complex. Uh, I need to like unpack it in parts. So I would right. say this, I think if you are making content, right, and you're a big studio and there's people that are working for you, you should be paid. I, I've never been a fan of uh, you know, piracy. I still buy my music. I'm an old person in that regard. Like I will go on iTunes and buy 99 cent songs. I believe in that, right? Because I believe obviously as a creator myself, you should get paid for your content, right? And that's not to say that there isn't a ton of free content out in the world. Now, should those creators be paid? Absolutely. And I think that's the part where you start to get into this world of there are going to be people that are creating content on the upfront for free. And I think this is kind of like you and I right now, we're creating content because we love it. It's passionate, it's altruism, but we hope that, you know, hopefully it gets picked up, people love it. And then you can start, you know, making some sponsorship dollars or whatever. I don't know your plans, but that's how the, the YouTube model kind of works. Right. I do it right. out of love. People resonate with it. And then I start to make money. I do think there's other channels that people are creators that are making really amazing things, right? You think about the, the influencers, right? 
Right? That's another, another model. And I think what is going to end up happening is that creativity is starting to become more and more democratized and you're going to get paid, not huge checks, but you might get paid smaller, but more concurrent payments. And that's another way of doing it. And I think when you, another great model or not model, but you see it happening organically, right? Cause no one's really thinking of it as a model per se, but like people making indie films, right? They go to Kickstarter, right? I want to make this movie. I made it like a, a little like synopsis of what it is and they raise funds. So I think you're starting to see that the world, like the plates of how media is thought, how we raise money, how we get paid, all those things are changing. But at the end of the day, what I think is very clear is that the way people get paid for creative is going to change, but they will be getting paid because there's so much need right, for fresh, new, vibrant content, and there's no way to do it. I mean, the fact that, like, you look at Netflix, they're making content like crazy. So that's employing a ton of people. And then Hulu and Disney are doing the same thing. But then you look at social platforms, and they're creating content for marketers, for brands. And so they have to make their money, right? And so they ha those are challenges that need to be met. And, you know, these platforms are smart enough to figure that out. But I, I think more people will get paid for their content, but there will always be free content in the world, because people just do it out of passion and altruism. I think that's just always gonna be the case, but I'm excited by the fact that people get paid, more and more people get paid for their stuff, you know, whether it is through sponsorship or Kickstarters or, you know, whatever it is, brand partnerships. Right, yeah, so yes, I, I, I see that the world is going in a very interesting space. And, and there are some interesting startups looking at blockchain and NFTs, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, so, so, so there, there is some really interesting things happening. So I'm excited for what the world will look in another 10 years. How could content be democratized and how could the content creators could monetize uh, and distribute the content to a larger audience. So, so yes, I think there are a lot of interesting startups exploring some really good ways to reach a larger audience and start monetizing also. So AR, VR, MR, <laughs> augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality. I think this, this is, it's in such an easy stage, but all, all of these, you know, when it starts maturing and when it converges with artificial intelligence, 5G, IoT will get into the spatial uh, world, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm excited for that space. Now you've been part of some fantastic ad agencies. Uh, now ad agencies have been now leveraging AR, VR, MR, and there are some like really big brands who have uh, uh, done some really good uh, experiential marketing campaigns. Yep. Would you like to talk about how AR, VR is impacting brand advertising, brand decision. Yeah, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I think it's about tools, right? I think any creative looks at his toolbox and looks at what's the best way to tell the story. And AR and VR is a new tool. It is compelling. It opens up doors that you couldn't normally tell. Um, I think with the stuff that I created, we wanted to land empathy. And yes, you can do a commercial. Yes, you can achieve empathy. No doubt about it. Films do it. Commercials can do it. Um, but we really wanted to put someone in the shoes of a migraine, you know, uh, a, a sufferer. And so VR and AR in that moment felt like the best 
most amazing way, but also to take that experience from just like a television screen, but also take it into the experiential world, right? To actually go and, and, and do a stunt, uh, have a, a moment in a, in a big city where people can put on a VR headset and experience it. As a content creator, as an advertiser, you're always going to look to create something different, a differentiator. And I do think that, you know, brands that see that as a potential, you know, way of doing it will employ it. I do think the other side to that is the cheaper the tools are, right? So again, it goes back to developing a couple of years ago, something in VR was pretty expensive, right? Whether it's you developing a 3D world, whether you're filming in 360 video, those are things that people didn't normally do and there weren't like certain APIs. But now as you look at the different tools out there, like Unity Engine, Unreal Engine, like all these wonderful things, it's a lot easier to create things because people have created these 3D assets that you can just immediately pull in. Um, so I think bringing down the price makes it a lot more attractive to a, a, a client. Because again, at the end of the day, when you're working in advertising, you can have the greatest idea, but you have to prove out <clears throat> your return on investment. You're gonna spend X amount on this campaign, you hope to make this much back. And so whether you're spending that money to shoot a commercial, which is a safer, more, the normal route, let's say, I think brands and clients are very comfortable. And they're like, yeah, of course, you know, I, I know that this is how much I'm going to spend and this is the return on investment. And I know it's a sure thing, but I think you look at the way things are now and we're basically asking brands to rethink their budgets, right? Don't think about spending this massive chunk on a commercial. Maybe you, you stratify a little bit maybe you do a little bit of social maybe you try some augmented reality maybe you try some virtual reality right it doesn't always have to be a commercial um and also there's just different ways of looking at your your, your ad spend right you know do you go all in like even just the idea of podcasts right podcasts have exploded it's back to back, back to radio <laughs> right so that should be in your in your ad spend right do i do a couple radio spots and put it on podcasts Maybe. Do I do this VR thing for experiential? Okay. So I, I think that's the way, you know, as a creator, we need to educate and help brands and clients see the potential of these platforms, especially VR. Because again, you can't experience anything uh, like VR. Like it is, and anyone that's tried it knows what I'm talking about. It is crazy. Like you put it on and you're like in a totally different world. Um, it, it, again, you, you empathize, you can look at a person in the eyes, in you know, a virtual character in their eyes, and they can emote. You know, you can reach out with your hand, obviously you're holding, you know, Joy-Cons or whatever it is, these sticks, but you can reach out, and not even, because like the, the Quest 2 now you haven't, even has like hand tracking, right? That's gonna change it. It's, it, it. It immediately becomes way more immersive and more emotional and deeper. It, it, it hits you in a, dip, a deeper way, I think. So yeah, I, I think that's our job as advertisers to, to, and creators to do that, to educate. Right, that's, so would you like to share some uh, works that you have built and some uh, ad, campaign, ad campaigns that you have seen, immersive experiential ad camp campaigns that you have seen, which you, you, you have been really excited. And this is early days where they built a backpack with which had a computer in the back and had this like early Oculus headset and they kind of jury rigged it with all these like, you know, little cameras in the front so you could see. Um, and it was an augmented reality experience, but they called it virtual reality. And it was a huge hit. And so then a couple of years later, we obviously were like, well, how do we make this cheaper? 
right? Because again, all clients are always looking to, to bring it in at cost and how efficiencies. And so uh, when I was the lead on that, when I was the creative director on that one, I looked at off-the-shelf technology. So I looked at Google Daydream, right? Google Daydream was basically taking your Android phone and just putting it in a really fancy cardboard <laughs> and experiencing it. And so we looked at that. And the reason we did that is because we want to, again, democratize the experience, right? But with the other approach where we actually used, you know, Google Daydream, we were actually able to go to experiential. We were actually able to create events where, you know, editors, writers of magazines could literally don this headset. And we had like, I think about like 20 of these headsets. And they're able to experience it. And when they wrote about it, they were like, wow, this is really incredible. So I think those are really cool experiences. Um, as far as like augmented reality, I would say you can look at a lot of social platforms. You can look at Apple. I think the really cool thing that I always love, and again, it hasn't gotten there yet, but I do think it will, is when I think at the WWDC conference a couple of years ago, Apple showed you could play a tabletop game holding up your phone and you can move around the table and you're seeing things actually, I think it was using like the Unreal Engine and it was happening, right? I'm a nerd. I'm pretty sure your audience has gotten that by now. I remember as a child playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. And the idea of using your imagination to visualize a map, a dungeon was always part of the fun, but also very difficult, right? Because everyone's interpretation is different. But the idea of holding up your phone and everyone seeing the same thing, but you can change your camera angle so it is still your experience is like mind blowing. Like, I don't think people truly understand how amazing that is. Like when you're a kid and you're playing toy with your toys and you're making sound effects. Oh my God, could you imagine that? Like you don't have to do those things anymore. You still can, but you can hold up your phone, your supercomputer in your hand, which you know didn't exist five, 10 years ago. And you can have these incredible rich experiences. I think that's pretty Incredible. Right. And we are just at the beginning of this journey of what this technology will open up in the next coming years. You know, there is Apple, which is rumored to be releasing their VR and their AR glasses. There is some of the top companies who have invested in this space because they do understand that uh, a mobile phone has lost its utility. And eventually, a, a, a computer, a laptop, and a phone will converge in one single wearable device. And, and, and so, yes, uh, when that happens, I think the entire world will be a screen. We will be interacting with digital content, with haptic feedback, volumetric video. We will be inside the story. And, and that is what is super awesome and and i i think that is what i think all content creators need to know because i i think once they know that and and they they understand and they feel the same excitement as how what you and i feel you know ex, ex, building this content i think they will naturally start exploring adopting and adapting that, that tech but if you I mean, currently, there is not many ad agencies or brands being bold enough to explore this medium, which is being touted as the future of uh, narrative or storytelling. Yeah, I think. What I think, do you, you think know, can be yeah, done just, to nudge just, them? 
So here's the, here's the funny thing. So this is this is the, the real answer. So from someone who's been in it, I'll tell you yeah. the truth. Yeah. Ad agencies all have you know a tech department, and I'm not talking IT. I'm talking like yeah. the 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 new emerging technology department. Every agency has one. Every agency is looking and playing with all the new tech out there, and there's always a room. You know, and there's always people literally showing some really cool things, right? They're developing, they're designing like pro bono. They're, they're spending their own dollars and they are showing it to brands. The problem, and again, this is why it goes back to education. The problem is always selling the idea to a brand. The hard part is to create a, a narrative that makes sense with the brand. That's the hard part because you can have really cool tech, but the brand will go, well, how does that make sense for my brand? Like, isn't that a stretch? So you have to find those, those narratives that make sense for their actual brand initiative. Like, what are they trying to do business-wise? Obviously, it's engagement. Obviously, it's, you know, drive, you know, people to go to the store and buy things. So I think that's, it's two parts, educating a client and be creatives in agencies, starting to think with that business lens and really creating narratives that make sense that affect their bottom line. Because again, cool is cool, but sometimes cool doesn't move the needle. How does the brand organically fit and how does it affect their bottom line? And I think that's what we have to do. We, as, as creators, we have to start thinking a little bit with a, a business lens. And I know most creators would be like, oh, that's horrible. But the reality is if you want your things to exist, you kind of have to give a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think there has always been a, a balance, you know, for in, in life. And I think creativity and economics, there, there's a fine balance. I think, you know, it, 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 you can't let any of those like tilt low, too low, uh, you know, higher. So, so yes, I think so I'm, I'm really excited for all, all of these technologies you know, converging with 5G, AI, and great creatives who can narrate a story using this as a tool and create the future of content. So it was a lovely talking to you, Hamilton. Uh, what do you think is going to be the future of storytelling? I think the future of storytelling will continue as it is, right? The more diverse voices are out there, the better. And I think as technology democratizes the experience, as people have amazing cameras in their pockets now, right? Editing tools in their pocket, it allows people of more diverse voice to actually put it out there. Because again, I do think when you look at the world right now, it has usually been the voice of very affluent people, people that have those, 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 the means to create. Um, and so, when I think about storytelling in the future as it's going, I get very excited because I know that there are so many people now that can create really high quality content with their voice, their experience, and people can, and, and I think there's a audience that hasn't had their needs fulfilled, right? People of color, you know, all of those things are so important and now it can happen. And I always, I, I laugh because I, I make fun of a little bit of Robert Rodriguez's current movies, not a huge fan of it, <clears throat> but I always love that he's a great example of someone who really like had that yearning to be like, I'm gonna grab this video camera, this VHS camera, I'm gonna shoot my movie, it's an action movie, this is what I love, I'm gonna make it. And he made it. He became a Hollywood director, right? But it's that, I think, that level of 
yearning to create and using the tools at hand, even if they may not be the tools that, you know, Hollywood would approve of, right? They're not the Aries or the Reds or the Venice, Sony Venice cameras, but that doesn't mean that your voice is invalidated. That just means that you just have to have a little bit more, you know, desire, a little bit more passion, but you can finally do it, right? I, I remember growing up as a kid, I didn't have a phone, iPhone. I didn't have those tools, so I couldn't create movies. So I think of, I think of children now that are growing up, you know, a, a child in you know Asia, a child in India that has one of these phones. I've never heard their authentic voice. They can literally put that out there on a social platform, right? Maybe raise money on Kickstarter, right? And create this amazing hit that did not exist. 20 years ago. That to me is amazing. And so when I think about, again, going back to VR, it's a tool that none of us have had. So you take this generation that has, you know, phones in their pocket with cameras and really cool editing, and you start to democratize that experience. What new stories are they going to tell that we haven't even thought of? That's the stuff that like makes me like go crazy. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like we're scratching the surface and this isn't our native medium. For me, it's not my native medium. There's going to be a generation 10 years from now where they grow up with VR as a native medium to them, you know, and they look at it as in like, yeah, why isn't it in VR? And the stories they're going to be able to tell are going to be, I think, extremely just beyond what we can ever imagine because we just haven't had it, you know, and I think that's the exciting part about creativity and, and VR and AR, right? We just haven't thought of it yet because we're not natives and they're going to be these VR natives. AR natives. Lovely, lovely. Thank you, thank you, Hamilton. Yeah, I think uh, in another 10 years, the world is going to look completely, completely different. Yes, I think the world has become much closer post the pandemic. I think the pandemic has pushed all of us to connect together because finally we are think we, we have understood that we are in one boat this earth, we need to take care of it. We need to respect it. And, and we are all in it together. And technology is that tool which can augment us. It is already augmenting us in near future. Where, when all of these uh, tools mature, it will completely transform all the industries. But like you said uh, earlier, that if we can handhold the, the less deprived of a society and create a cohesive un unit where let everything coexist, I think that will be a beautiful world. And I mean, because I think we, that, that should be the, the, the story going ahead. You know? And uh, thank you for sharing your insights. And to my listeners, if you like what you see in here, please press the subscribe button. Next time, see you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.